Hello, 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 all my lovelies. What up, Queer Fam Squad? I think I'm going to call you that from now on. Queer Fam Squad. Let me know what you think. (laughs) I just thought of it as I was sitting here. Um, It's Jamie here again with another bonus episode. Like I've been saying the past week, I am releasing bonus episodes of past guests who had amazing episodes with me um, and my my co-hosts. and who will be coming in for our upcoming season, season 11, which drops February 6th. That is one week away, y'all. One week away. I can't even believe I'm saying it. But these guests are going to be coming in and helping me introduce our new guests. So I wanted you to get reacquainted with them while we gear up for this new launch. And it's also, today is um, today is kind of a a heavy day because I'm, I'm recording this actually on the heels of the senseless and awful death of Tyree Nichols. And, um, I think if you're not, if you're not sad today, I think that you're not paying attention. This is, um, this is sad. Another young black man has lost his life, um, for dumb reasons, for the, no reason. For no reason. It's sad. There's a mother. There's a family mourning this poor kid's senseless death today. And um, I'm sad. I'm sad. And the fact that he called for his mother. I think all mothers, um, I saw a meme. It's, I didn't come up with this. But all mothers are called to action because he called for his mother. And George Floyd called for his mother before he passed away too. It's just like, what do we do? What do we do? I don't know. I just wanted to acknowledge it today. Um, And I don't know what to do, but I do know that we need to keep having these conversations, especially those of us with privilege, those of us who have more privilege than those who don't. We need to be having the conversations. Don't shy away from these conversations. And I intend to. I intend to lean into these difficult conversations and unpack this shit because it's not okay. Um, anyway, that's, that's, that's all I'll say about that. I don't want this to be a big downer for y'all, but I think we're all feeling slightly down. So I don't think I'm being toned up here, but, um, also, and I, I want to mention also, also trans women are being killed at alarming rates. Still, still unique banks just lost her life recently in Chicago. Um, and the numbers keep adding up. And so, uh, it's, uh, what do we do? What do we do? But, okay, so my guest, okay, so the guest I'm bringing in, it's actually really fitting that the guest I'm bringing in for today, the episode that I'm bringing back is the very first episode we had with Teak Milan. Teak Milan, a writer, speaker, activist, model. Um, Teak, the, the episode description reads, Teak Milan joins us to talk about losing the lesbian community when he transitioned. His dear sweet auntie who asked if he and his wife were going to use his sperm to make a baby. I love that. And the importance of visibility. This is, a, oh my, this conversation blew my mind. I, Teak Milan is one of my, my favorite people, one of my favorite folks to talk to because Teak just packs so much into every sentence and you don't even know he's saying so much until you, until after the conversation and you're unpacking everything you heard and then you're like, oh my God, holy shit, that was deep. Like when we were writing the book, we put lots of excerpts from Teak in the book and I just couldn't believe how much he said in every, in every little tidbit. It's just beautiful. This, um, we, this conversation, we talk about, um, gender, we talk about masculinity. We talk about parenting. We talk about race. We talk about racism. This, we go, we go on to many destinations in this conversation. I'm really excited to share it again with you. And I'm also really excited for Teak to come back. He's coming back soon. And I cannot wait to touch base with Teak and see what's going on with him. But without further ado, I'm going to have Helen and Beulah Roll that tape. They're being so helpful to me. I hope you can't hear my four, five-year-old in the background because I am recording this on a Sunday with my whole family in my tiny apartment. So <laughs> I apologize for extra noises. Okay, Helen and, and Helen and Beulah, of course, are sitting right here, like lo- looking lovingly into each other's eyes. I mean, I can't with this lovebird crap. <sighs> anyway, okay. All right, you two lovebirds. You go ahead. You roll that tape. Love is, love is, love is, love.
Today's episode of If These Ovaries Could Talk is brought to you by Care Of, and we are very, very excited to have them on board. We are. <laughs> Jimmy's got a little flu cold. It's not a flu. Oh, your son has the flu. My son has the flu, so I am going on no a week of no sleep, so this is what happens, and I have a cough. Oh my God, welcome to If These Ovaries Could Talk. That is the state <laughs> of Jamie and Robin today. We are hardcore parenting. It's my new saying. Hardcore parenting? Yeah. What does that mean, actually? It just means I'm in it. I'm, I'm up oh, It basically means things are it. shitty. Yes. Yeah. yeah, things are shitty, and I get no sleep. Um, But he, you want to hear something on no the bright sleep side? No sleep Brooklyn. What? <laughs> On the bright side, yeah. we're getting merchandise. Yes. That's, I was like, what's the bright side? I got so excited. <laughs> we are. We're going to have like little onesies. Well, I mean, like that's we, my vision. I know I want onesies. Yeah, totes. Uh, we haven't. Okay. So we should we should manage expectations. We're not done yet, <laughs> but Mary's at home right now trying to set things up. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, Mary. Um, and then we're going to, we want you guys to email us if you have any ideas of what you want us to make. Yeah. Which, I mean, obviously. I would we'll, say onesies. Onesies. We have some shirts. You know, you want a hat? <laughs> you want a hat? <laughs> Let us know. You want like a hat with an ovary on it? Yeah, oh my just God. A one hat ovary, just one ovary. Not two. <laughs> so you can email us at ovariestalk at gmail.com with your ideas because we'd like to hear them. Yeah, totally. Um, please do. So guess what, Jamie? This Sunday mm-hmm. is uh, the 31st of March is International Transgender Day of Visibility. Yes. Um, it's a Isn't day. exciting? I know it is. It really is. And it's a day that's dedicated to celebrating transgender people and raising awareness of the discrimination faced by transgender people worldwide. I mean, that seems like a great idea for a day. I love it. It is. This was uh, spearheaded by this U.S.-based youth advocacy organization called the Trans Student Educational Resources. I wanted to say that right. I wanted to say it right. I didn't want to mess it up. It's a lot of um, syllables, syllables in there. (laughs) Syllables. Um, um, It was spearheaded by them because there is a day of remembrance, a a trans visibility day of remembrance, Mm -hmm. um, which is November, right? November Mm twentieth. I know that because that's my son's birthday. Mm. Mm -hmm. But it really just mourned the, the the deaths of transgender people, and so they created this day to celebrate the lives. Lives of transgender people worldwide. Well, I love that. And in honor of said day, we have Teek Milan on, t- on today. He's a writer, a public speaker, an advocate, and he also happens to be a model. I mean, he's gorgeous. He's a handsome devil. He really is. And he's my new guru. <laughs> let's get him in here. Yeah, let's do it. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh Hello. My God. I wish that, that I wish that was a video that you could have seen the scared face of Teeth's <laughs> face. <laughs> You're by the way not alone. We scare almost everyone. We're scary ladies. We're, I mean, we're I a don't lot. Know. You two are great. I'm so Welcome. so glad Welcome. we were Thank able to get this me. together. I feel like I was borderline stalking you for stalking season you for about two. a year. And then I was like, there came a point where I was like, I should probably give him a break because I think I'm really coming at him too hard. And I was like, what I'll do is I'll go quiet and then I'll come back for season three. You did. You ghosted me for a minute. You did for a minute. Like I, I, I was a little hard to get. Then you, then you slipped into my DMs again like, hey there. <laughs> Tell us, give us the elevator pitch a little bit elevator. about you because you have like a pretty significant career. Okay. So I'm Teek Milan. I'm transgender. Transgender guy. So my career started off, when I first started off my career- I started off doing hip-hop journalism, right? Oh, really? So I started doing hip-hop journalism. You know, I interviewed everybody from, like, Jay-Z to Lil Wayne, all oh. kinds of folks. It's been amazing. Going to all kinds of events and things. But what was happening... Now, this was before I had transitioned. Oh. I was just really butch. I was like... Okay. I was really, really butch. And how and did that go over in the hip-hop community? That's the thing. I will walk into... I, let me tell you a story. I'll never forget. I was going to interview... Uh, Beyonce's dad, right? Yeah. Oh. And I went into a recording studio, and whoever I guess he had some people with him. And the woman who was at the reception desk was like, "Oh, you know, um, you know, Teak is here to see you." And you know, so if the, if the phone is loud, you can hear mm-hmm. the other person. Oh no! So the guy says, "Is she cute?" And <gasps> and she said, "Ha, you'll see." Oh, not knowing that I could hear her. So I walked into the <laughs> into the room. There's all these people, and then you know, kind of had a funny looks, and people kind of like do a double take. And what would happen is I would go into these events, and people would hear me, and then they would hear my voice, and then they would she me, and they would they would overcompensate and be like, "Oh, baby girl, oh, Miss Lady, oh, no. oh sweetie," just like overemphasizing yeah. this very. Feminine language because my gender was making them uncomfortable, which is making me feel really like invisible right. and yeah. like invalid. Like it uh-huh. was just, it was a really shitty experience, you sure. know? And then at that time, 
I was really feeling like this really deep incongruence in my in my gender, and I wasn't sure what that was. I didn't know if I was trans. But you didn't know from. I didn't. I didn't know from like birth. You know what I'm saying? So and that how, happened. And this, you were how old? I was. I was probably like 20, uh-huh. 20 21. It was my early twenties. I didn't start my transition till I was twenty five. And those places are really, really, really gendered. And it's not just like hip hop specifically, but it's just very just, the it's music entertainment. The music industry is so gendered. Yeah. And I and it was like pushing very me male in yeah. general. And it was pushing me and pulling me in ways that just didn't feel good. Right. Uh-huh. So I was like, boom, I'm done with this. So I switched to doing more like advocacy work. So, and I was bartending at this uh, lesbian bar called Crazy Nannies. I don't know if you remember. <gasps> Crazy Do you remember Nannies? Nannies? Was my joint. Little Crazy dancing Nannies up on the there. second floor. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Working there at Crazy Nannies when I, when I first got to New York really gave me like my entrance into, into community, right? Yeah. So... I was in community doing that. So I was like, you know what I need to do? I need to find a job in community so I can work and transition in a way that feels good. Uh, and I don't got to hide anything. I ain't got to do a bunch of, bunch of bullshit. So that's what I did. So what I did, I took a step back from doing hip-hop journalism. And I started working in community. So I was doing that. And then somebody was like, yo, MTV is looking for are looking for journalists for a new reality show that they have. At, with Rolling Stone magazine. And she was like, you really, really, really need to do this. Long story short, they put me on the show. Wow. So I did a reality show on MTV in 2006. I'm from Rolling Stone. They put it on the worst time slot. Came on like 10 p.m. <laughs> on Sundays. Nobody watched shit. Whatever. <laughs> but I was on a reality show. I was on a reality show. You were on a reality show. I was on a reality show. And that's what really, like, I think really helped. Like, really put Had you me... transitioned at this point? No. And that's the thing. I was still super butch. I was like the first, like, black butch lesbian to be, like, on TV. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. It's crazy. 2006. I was, right. the, I was the first one. And I remember the, um, the producer really trying to push me to come out as sure. trans <gasps> Shut on up. camera. Because I had confided in to some of my my um, castmates that that's how I was feeling. And of course, uh, cameras were there. You know, he was like, I really want you to kind of talk about this. Of course they I do. I tried it. Like my last exit interview, he tried to sneak it in. Like he asked me, like, are you transgender? I'm like, man, you can't. My mama don't know, yeah. man. I can't uh, be coming out on MTV. No. You know what I'm saying? So I did that. And then after that, I ended up working with Lambda Legal. And then I worked oh. in the Bronx Community Pride Center doing some stuff. And all the while I was doing this work in community, I started back freelancing and freelancing to the so where I didn't have to go out to events people didn't have to see me uh, you know they really couldn't like my voice was getting low. I, would, I would deepen my voice as pre-tea so people didn't know what my gender was over the phone and I could just do my thing no one ever saw me and that's right. what I did I was just freelancing online so like this is kind of like like incognito so it was like my media like you work got an incubation time yeah period. it was great like I really was really intentional about trying to make my transition as easy as possible mm-hmm. so those two worlds kind of came together, my media work and my advocacy work. Um, so then we fast forward and my agent was a coach, was a TED coach. Oh. And they were like, you and your wife have an amazing story. Yeah. And, you know, TED Women's 2016, we're doing something different. We're doing duets. Why don't you and your wife oh. do a TED Talk duet and we will coach you through it? Wow. And that's how I ended up doing my TED Talk, which has been seen by over 3 million people. (gasps) Check out TED.com. A queer vision of love and marriage. Um, That. And so now, you know, I'm a public speaker. Talk about, like, you went from an incubation period by yourself to out to 3 million people. To out to 3 million people. Like, that is a very public. Yeah, it's very public. But see, by by that time, like 2016, I had already been out. Like, I I came out to my family. I came out to friends. Everybody understood me as Teak. Everybody, you know, it's been, now it's been so many years. I I started T in 2007. Mm -hmm. So, what's that? 12 years. Yeah. So, I was like, I don't even remember. I was talking to my aunt. We were talking about, um. We're talking about my uh, my daughter, um, and she asked me. She's like, "So, are you going to use your sperm?" And I was like, oh. I was like Auntie. Wait, "Was that Auntie. the most amazing compliment yeah, ever?" Yeah, really? Was. She's like, "So, you going to use your sperm?" Oh my like, god! She was like, "Oh wait, wait, <laughs> that's amazing." Yeah, yeah I kind of think that's the cutest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. She did, she didn't get. I it. love that. No problem. Wow. Hey, my them. grandmother. My grandmother's ninety three. I years love old. your grandmother. Stop. Really? <laughs> she's ninety three. My dear. I mean, obviously there was some difficult moments, but no one was ever like bad to me. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, now I'm here and I'm married. Got a baby. So, oh, yeah. The, wait, wait. Yeah. Hold on. So, let's hear the elevator pitch about your your family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I always wanted kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I always wanted kids, but there was a point in my life where I was like, I want kids. This was before I was... I started my transition. Before I even knew that I was trans, I was like, I know I want to have children, but I don't want to be a mother. 
And I didn't understand then that I was trans, so I had put it in the back of my mind. So then I transitioned. And when I met my wife, we were talking, and she wanted to have kids, and I wanted to have kids. Uh, so I was like, great. I finally met someone who wants to have children, and we're kind of in the same place. Had you already life. transitioned when you met your wife? Yeah, I already transitioned. Matter of fact, she didn't even want to talk to me at first because when I hit her, my wife met on Facebook. And when I first uh, slid in her DMs, <laughs> like, um, <you> do. <laughs> like I do, uh, she thought I was a cis guy. Oh. And she was like, no, I don't, no, I I don't like I'm you. I'm not having any yeah. of you. She's like, uh, do you not see yeah. my profile there? Yeah, she's like, I like lesbians and like trans men. What are you doing? Oh. And I'm like, hey, guess what? Yeah, so Crazy. we wanted kids. Um, and it was really hard at first trying to figure out how to do that. But we figured it out. Found a donor. Boom, boom, bang. And now we have a baby. Anonymous, open donor? Did you use a... It's a, a donor that we know. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Somebody that we know. And we were like, hey, we're a queer couple. This is what we want to do. He was cool. His mom is a lesbian. And he was like really responsive and respectful. He was like, yeah, I'll shoot this in a cup for you. Great. <laughs> like, thanks, and you dude. used Yeah. And you used her egg. So it was her egg. It's like an IUI. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't wasn't using anything for me. My girlfriend prior to my wife, she and I had talked about having a family too, but she wanted to carry my baby. Mm -hmm. Like wanted my, and I don't have a, I don't get a period. I've been on teeth since 2007. I don't even know what that looks like. Uh And my, the way my dysphoria is set up, I had a lot of gender dysphoria around that, around getting a period. Like, every, but the oh. bodies and stuff, like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm cool with the parts, even though I got my top surgery. But I, that one thing I couldn't do. And in mm. order for me, in order for her to carry my baby, I would have to get off of my teeth yep. and let yep. that come back. That was Can the you imagine what you'd have to go through for that? I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. She was really putting a lot of pressure on me. And my, my mother was me. I was really mad at her. Like, how was she asking to do something like right. that? That's a lot to ask of you. Good yeah. for your mom. Yeah, my mother didn't play that. And so then when Kim and I met, she understood that wasn't happening. She was like, I would never ask you to do that. Oh, I it's really a lot to ask yeah, of she someone. was like, I would never, ever, ever. So found a donor who worked for us, and we have our little girl now. So it was an easy process. Yeah. No. Did you do legal paperwork? I'm, that's yeah. always my question. I always yeah. get very nervous Because you have a people. known donor. You have a known donor. Yeah, because a friend of mine, a trans guy, uh, tra- uh, Chase uh, Strangio, shout out to Chase. He's a lawyer at the ACLU. Uh-huh. He had a known donor as well. So he just gave me the contract that he used for them. Gay drafting. Gay yeah, drafting. and he was just like, you know, just switch it up. So I did that, got it notarized, boom. And we did it, and it took a few months, and then we got pregnant. Uh, now, prior nice. to that, we had tried before with anonymous donor, and we had a miscarriage. Uh, that was really okay. hard in, in 2015. And then 2017 is when we found the new donor guy. And yeah, it only took about three months. Nice. Just like like three, like three. Very like, lucky. Yeah. yeah. Is, is he in the kids' lives in any way? Not at all. Not at all. That was, was his whole thing. He was great. like, I don't yeah. need to be. I just want to do this. Yeah, because he had he or he already had a kid and like he had a relationship and he was just like, um, he's like, you know, my mom's queer. I totally, I totally That's get great. this. Here you go. And was there any Thanks. other reasoning for picking? Like, did he did he resemble one of you, or you know, like when we pick our donor? Like, I picked my we picked our donors that look kind of like us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like my wife because, like, we wanted somebody because it was like we can't find anybody that looked like me. We want to find somebody that looked like her, mm-hmm. and not for nothing, like us trying to find anonymous donors, like from like donor registries, is so hard. There's just not a lot of black donors in Canada and oh. the entire country of Canada. There are only 24 black donors. This is, you know, what we, we talked, haven't talked to, to um, some um, uh, rainbow kids, yeah, yeah or yeah. queer spawn, yeah. um, children of gay moms who are they're in their 20s now, 30s, mm-hmm. and they talk about this the whole because of laws in Canada or whatever, it's really hard to get. It's really, really hard. It's yeah. really, really hard to get. Yeah, it's really hard to get. It's, there's a lot of white guys, and but there's just no, there were just no, just hardly any black men at all. Is the process, so sim- like, could you have used a bank and shipped into Canada or was it just? That's what we're doing for, okay, so we're working on oh, baby number two. You are. Baby number two. So, yeah, so we bought a bunch of sperm and a couple of them were black guys and a couple of them weren't. I was like, so like, listen, my wait, baby. You just, wait, hold oh. the you <laughs> wait, just this bought, is like, new for random us. bunches of people, like, not just, like, you didn't just pick one donor and then buy, like, 12 no, miles. No, you were just like, we're buying four. No, because, because all us. of them didn't have, because, like, the one guy, the, the one black guy that we found, the way they did it, you can't get like fourteen vials from one. Yeah, this was, on get, the, this was a sperm bank. This is sperm bank, like an online sperm this bank. An online sperm bank, right? I think we used one. There's one like in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we had to first we had to find sperm banks that were shipped to Canada. Right. Because right. the whole thing is that we want to have our babies in Canada, right? So I had one black guy. We could only get like two from him, and then there were other people. There's one. We get two. Wow. That was like all that was. That's left. All that was left. Oh. That was, that's the thing. It was all that was left. Right. And so that was so mm-hmm. there's that, and there was another guy. I think he's like my wife is Trinidadian, so we found a guy who was like. 
Trini and like Asian, like Chinese, something like that. And you're like, and then, close enough. Close enough. So yeah, we I think we got it from three different donors that are three very different looking folks. So, so like, you have backups. We have backups. You'll or go with like, did choice you, number yeah, I was one. Say, you bought them all and you're like choice number order, one is number fifty nine ten. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's number fifty nine ten. Yeah. It's choice number one that we're gonna, gonna work go with. there and then you're gonna work down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you're you're oh. banking a group of them and then you're gonna work through them. So you just want to have them all on hand. Yeah, we have them all on hand. Yeah, wow. yeah, just in case it takes. I we don't am, know how we've long never take. heard that before. This is a new for us. Yeah, this yeah. is new. Yeah, everyone that we've talked to has been so just like agonizing, like finding with the Superman and the, and the like, and the, and you guys are just like, we got these people, and like yeah. they'll all be good. And we you're the dad. Yeah, and I'm the dad. Don't matter. And you don't care. I don't care. My baby out here. I have a little Asian baby. Guess what? That's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my little Asian that's baby. That's my little Asian baby right there. <laughs> that's my little Asian baby right there. I, and I love her. <laughs> you know, I don't care. Who cares? It really didn't matter. I mean, I've. As a trans person, I know for me, I had to let go of this idea that my kids are ever going to look like me yeah. or ever going to like share my DNA. You know what I'm saying? Was it, that hard though? Was that even like a, it doesn't seem like that was for me, difficult for, me, for you. For me, it wasn't difficult. For yeah. me, it, it wasn't difficult because those are things I had to think about when I started my transition. When you started I had to think, had to think about that. I also had to think about like, I'm about to come out as a trans person and I may lose everybody in my right. life that I thought loved me. And I got to be ready for that loss. I have to be ready for the long-term implications of what I'm about to do to myself and to my body. It's well, like and your you, life comes down to the, the what is the math term? The lowest common denominator. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And you talked about places where you were welcome and not like from a bad point of view but maybe less welcome at crazy nannies after because now you're a man yeah, yeah. and it's like like you've already gone through all this so this probably this point is just like whatever yeah this is a baby yeah there's there's a loss there's just that's what it is like you have to like there's a lot that you gain there's a lot that you lose and there's a lot you have to negotiate and right. those are the things that i really was really intentional about thinking about knowing that i was going to lose some community knowing i was going to have to grieve like the woman that i was and grieve like the sisterhood and the community that i made and also understanding that my kids are never going to share my dna and they probably won't look like me but that doesn't doesn't mean they can't be like me yeah let me tell you one of one of the most important things i think that i've ever heard was when i came out to my dad as a lesbian when i was 14 right i only came out to him because his best friend at the time was a lesbian and she had and she had she got married uh, like this time we couldn't get married but married and he was in in a commitment ceremony he was in her wedding oh Right, and I knew and she, I used to know her from the bars. Right, when uh, I was a teenager, you were like, I know you. And she came up to me and she was like, "Your father knows you're a lesbian, and he is <gasps> so hurt that you don't trust him enough to tell him." Right, so I was like, "Okay." She was like, "You gotta I tell like, your love dad." Your dad so much. She, yeah. My dad's such a good guy. Shout out to my dad. So I sat him down. I'm like, "Okay, daddy, I'm gay." And he said to me, "He said, baby, he said, listen, my job as your father is not to teach you who to be. I have no control over who you are. It's to, it's to teach you how to be in this world. And I really carry that with me through fatherhood. I don't know who my baby is. How they don't have nothing to do with me, but how they are is something they're going to carry with them forever. You know how to how to love with their whole heart, how to lead with compassion, with empathy, and to be kind and to be strong. Like these are things they're going to learn from me. How mm-hmm. they look that don't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. That means absolutely nothing. You know. So I had to let that go a long time ago. I'm learning so much from you. I mean, just because I got so hung up on the donor. We got so hung up on choosing this donor and knowing that both of us were going to carry and each wanting to look like, you know, like it's and and once the kids are here, it doesn't, none of it matters. By the way, so much of it doesn't matter once the kids are here. Like all the, like when you meet a first time, I mean, like, by the way, I really mean this, no, no offense to women who are currently pregnant and stressing about it (laughs) because it is a really big deal. Yeah. But now that I have a nine and seven year old, when I'm looking at them going through all this, I'm like, oh, honey, like it's (laughs) how, how that baby comes out is so irrelevant. (laughs) Like you are going to be crying because mm-hmm. your kid won't stay in their bed. Yeah. Like you, it's like, this is just it's have nothing. the baby and like nap. Yeah, like, exactly. Like just, put him in the nursery and take a good, <laughs> like the rest fine. of it, it's fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's being, why no one got hurt. Yeah. It's just this, like it's, but it's like, it's all in those moments. Yeah. It is critical. Yeah, it really is. Like critical. Really is. Yeah. But that being said, like when my daughter does something that is not, that I don't like, that is all my wife. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, by the way, I got on a plane and went to Bogota to try to make my kids be the same yes. donor. Really? I went to Bogota, I know like did. and like Bogota. literally had had an insemination in Bogota, like with a family who's just all were like, oh, and talking to me in Spanish. And I was like, I don't know what's I don't happening. Know what's happening. I have Beautiful. a question for you. Sure. We, we talk a lot about when you start to tell your kids about your non traditional family. Yeah. And I'm wondering in your family, what's your like. Like, do you have a book? Do you have like, what's your like, what's yeah. your how? Do you, what's your story there? Okay, so 
Okay, so we just got a book. Uh, so my daughter just turned one on January 17th. And we had a little party for Thought her. Thought she was older. It's a little early, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, right. She's, yeah, she's only one. I'm like, she's in the womb. Have you started talking to her yet? <laughs> I thought she was like three. I'm sorry. No, no, no. She's just one. There's wine. She's still like, you know, bow. So anyway, so um, so a friend of ours gave us a book about a crayon that's it's called Red, and it's about a blue crayon that has on a red wrapper, and everybody thinks that that the crayon is red because of the red wrapper, uh-huh. and the crayon is like, I'm actually blue. I'm really, really blue, and everybody's like, No, you are the color of roses. You're the color of this. And like, No, I'm the color of the sky. I'm actually blue. Oh my God, I so love like, this book. Yeah, so that book we have for my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want her to see the movie. It's a cartoon movie. And it's about a shark who is a vegetarian. Like at the end, like he's like a light blue and he has a little shash on me. <laughs> like I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I wanted to see that. But I just, but for us, our kid is always going to know that gender is a variety. Yes. It's not a binary yes. experience. You know, my daughter's, one of my daughter's godmother's Okay, so two of my daughter's godmothers are butch women, mm-hmm. right? And another one of her godparents is is a is a trans woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, our doula is a gender nonconforming person. This pronoun is they. And so, and then I'm her dad, and I'm trans. So she's going to be brought up around people of different genders. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's ever going to be a moment where I have to come out to mm-hmm. Soleil. It'll it's, just be her Soleil. existence. I love, yeah, Soleil. I love that name. It'll just be part of who she is. It's part of who she is. Like, oh yeah, my dad is a trans guy. And you know, and my babysitter is gender nonconforming, and this is who they are. You know, like she's she's just so be part know. of her language. This will be part of her language. Yeah, she's going to be brought up with that truth that gender is a spectrum, and mm-hmm. that she's always going to know that she can be anywhere on that spectrum that she wants. Like right now, like we gender her as she, mm-hmm. you know, because we're her parents, and she's one, and she can't make any decisions. But when she gets to the point where she wants to make decisions about her gender and who, how she wants to show up in the world. Then do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah, right. yeah. you know yeah. what I'm saying. So this, I don't, I don't ever want to come out to her. My coming out days are done. Yeah. I'm almost 40 years old. I'm done mm-hmm. coming out. Right. You know what I'm Just saying? I right. am. Yeah, I am. I'm here. So mm-hmm. that's it. So that's mm-hmm. still that's how we're gonna deal with that. I love that. Yeah, and my kid is always around just a bunch of queers all the time. I think that's a common thing. That idea of just building the community yeah. that you want your kids to see and making sure they have. But also knowing yeah. that they are also out in the society, which is not necessarily yeah. the society we have set up in our home. Right. Yeah. And and knowing that they are going to be seeing that and hearing things that, that are not um, reaffirmed in our household. Yeah. Um, and also being prepared to have the conversation with them about, so so-and-so uh you know, asked you if you have a boyfriend yet when you're five, and we're gonna talk about this because you don't have to have a boyfriend. You know, like and being because yeah, you're five, right? <laughs> and is, we and Kim and I think about that all the time. Maybe because we're that we're, we're new parents that we're super right. super protective, and we have all yeah. these really like grand ideas of yeah, have that second kid. Because we're we're planning on we're gonna homeschool her, you know, because we can you because we, we do the same kind of work. So it's not like, you know, we have control of our time, we're both entrepreneurs. Yeah. And you know, we take our baby everywhere with us. She travels with us all over the place. Um so we really want to make we really want her to understand that the, even though you do learn lessons outside of the home, the greatest lessons that you learn are the ones that you learn you know, in between these four walls, you know what I mean? Mm. And to carry that with you everywhere that you go. But that's what, what you're saying. That's a large a part of the reason of why we don't want to put her in school, right. you know, because of that. And also just, you know, Kim and I both were always the only black girls in our classes. We both in gifted programs. We both went to very, very white schools and it wasn't always nice. It wasn't always bad either. Like I've, I've made some amazing friendships with right. the white girls that I went to school with, like amazing, amazing girls, but I had some really fucked up things happen to me. Yeah. And particularly from teachers and administration, it wasn't even like my peers. Really? Like the white girls I went to school with were amazing. It was right. the teachers that treated yeah. me like shit. The administration that treated me like shit that thought that I was wasn't capable of the things that I was achieving because yeah. of who I was. Wow. And I don't ever want my daughter to have to deal with those things. Like I dealt with those things so she doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, so we really want to try to homeschool her and really want to kind of insulate her as much as possible. Like I don't know if that's a good thing to do or a bad thing to do, but I don't know. We're just gonna at some point we're gonna have to let Soleil take the lead. What you yeah. just did is you just talked about the beginning of parenting. Mm. Is yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. It's where we're gonna start. Yeah. And I think the difference between a good parent and a bad parent is that you start somewhere with the awareness that if this sucks, we're gonna make a right turn. Yeah. But if it like and and really dialing in to see like, is this the best thing? And if it's not, like, correct. Yeah. 
if you don't, then like you just you stink as a parent. Well, yeah. stay yeah. open, which I think our lives teach us. Yeah, yeah, yeah stay open. Who we are, stay open. Just stay and open. And that's what I think what makes us really good parents as like LGBT folks is is like queer and lesbian, gay identified people is that we're raising our children with an openness that we may not necessarily have been raised in because heterosexuality doesn't allow for a lot of openness around like gender or gender expression or sexuality. Mm. You know, we don't give that to our kids and we come into parenthood as intentional parents. Right. I wasn't planned. I saw a lot of us weren't. No. Parents are just having sex and we popped up. (laughs) That doesn't happen in our community. With a cigarette in their mouth. This is kind of martini. It comes back. Back to this every, every episode. episode. Yeah. We are intentional. intentional. We're intentional parents. None of these families are by accident. Not a no. single one. And I think that makes us better prepared. And it yes. makes it gives us like, you know, I have the patience for my baby. And you know, I'm just I'm ready for like the change in my life that happens. Because we have a kid. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, I've had to, like, you know, just dial things back a little bit and yeah. dial certain things up a little bit. But I knew that's just what I was getting into because I wanted her. And we worked really hard for to her. To have her. Yeah, yeah we and worked hard. Yeah. Paid money. And, yeah. Money. You know what I'm saying? Like, like worked hard, yeah, man. we worked hard. It was not easy. So I did this thing in Brooklyn. <laughs> That morning, uh, and so and there were so many people lined up because they were coming to the school to to uh, vote. Everybody had on their Hillary Clinton, you know, buttons and sure. whatnot. Sure. Had their kids and shit. Everybody felt all fucking inspired and yeah. shit. And it was we're just voting raucous. for a woman like, president. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Like people, there was just so, so much, much hope. energy, hope so much hope. You can air. feel it in the air in the school. Like everybody was just so excited. I've never right? been so hopeful. It was an life. amazing morning. It was an amazing morning. So I get to the airport, and you know, you know, the TVs are going. Yeah. Everybody's like, everything's popping up red. And I'm like, okay, it's okay. Um, so then, you know, I get on the plane, get to um, Miami, you know, get off in Miami and things are just going to the crapper, dark. right? Oh it, the God. news are getting really shitty. Yeah. So by the time I get on the on the boat, fucking Trump is fucking president. Oh my God. So my wife called me the next day and she was like, yo, your country has lost its collective <laughs> mind. We are leaving. Good for her. Yo, I want to move to Canada. We left the next month. We moved to Look at Toronto you. December of 2016. Got condo there in 2016. I was back and forth in New York a lot in 2017. I was really out here, but uh-huh. making our way there. But and then, you know, wifey got pregnant. And then that was it. That's and, it. And that was it. Yeah. And then baby wow. was born in this January. Like, and I've really been in Toronto ever since. This is like what I say all, like, I probably say it once a month. Uh-huh. We got to go to. To, we gotta but go I've to never Canada. Met it's anyone amazing. that actually you did picked it. up and moved to Canada? Yeah, we and you're up happy. I'm really happy. So yeah, so my wife and I travel the country, telling our stories of family and talking about intersectional approaches to human rights leadership and executive leadership. Um, because what we understand is that when people we have organizations and companies that are inclusive, they are more innovative because you're mm-hmm. having so many different creative diff- viewpoints, right? Mm-hmm. So I get to do that, and then I do uh, like the college circuit and just sharing my story. I do a talk on creating organic masculinity. I do a talk on allyship across margins. I do talks on sexuality and sex and consent. Like I'm going to a school in University of Alberta next month and I'm doing a long training with all of these like athletes and all these boys to talk to them about sex and consent and what it means to not be a fucking tool your whole That's life. Right? Like just don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Just be nice. Yeah. Cost you nothing. Yes. Because I think there's a generational divide right now between like the younger generation and the older. Like I feel like there's not a space for just like talking. It's mm-hmm. like there's this like feeling of like everyone, and I, this isn't just like trans. This is also like gay. This is also yeah. um, color. Like there's yeah. like this. You should come educated, and I do think that's true. Like we should all work to be educated. But sometimes yeah, like like I don't know what it's like to live in Russia. So yeah, right, so exactly. like I think that we have to also find in the middle where we talk about intention and where we talk about like you can see when someone's intention is good. Yeah. And it's yeah. like so tell us yeah. and then go oh fuck and we can learn. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing, there's a difference between intention and impact. Mm-hmm. And the work takes place between those two places, right? right. Tell us you tell can, me more about that. Yes. Like you know, there's an old saying that says uh the road to hell is paved in good intention. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. 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 right, right, right. So you may and you may have the best intention in mm-hmm. the world, but the way you go about it you don't have that that kind of impact. You still you know? impact someone and, 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 badly. Yeah, negatively. You, know, you can see that. You can see that sometimes in your in your personal relationships with your partner. Like you have the intention to do the right thing. You're having a really heated discussion and you say something that you think is going to make them feel better, but they're like, you know what? We just minimized. Yes. And, and yep. you dismiss, you're being dismissive. It, it backfires. So, you, you, you know, you didn't have the correct impact. So what we have to do is really be, be mindful of those things. Maybe take a step back, being able to apologize, yes. being able to ask questions that doesn't invalidate other people's truths, but kind of complicate our own truths that's that's I think is really key when it's when it comes to making that strong line between your intention and your impact mm. being able to ask people questions being 
genuinely curious about people's experiences, right? And listening and listening with the intent to to be complicated, to have your own self complicated instead of listening with the intent to respond. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's for me. For me, that's that. That's what that that trajectory looks like from intent to impact. And then once you can do those things, then you ask people, "What is it? Can I do? How can I leverage like the privileges that I have in order to be in solidarity with you? What can I do to make things better? You know." And I and the thing is, is that a lot of times people don't get asked like what they need. You know, yes, yes. oftentimes you know it's a whole thing of like treating people that the way the way we want to be treated. But when we do that, that means that we are the standard bearer for other people's needs. Yeah. So ask people what they want, right. how they want to. Yeah. Be treated. There's that thing they say you can apologize, and mm-hmm. you should get really good at apologizing. But if yeah. you don't ask the next, the next step. What next can step. I do to make this better, mm-hmm. or what can I do to help you? Yeah. Then then you didn't do then your didn't job. Happen. Yeah. You didn't do anything. Do and I think this is good for us. It's to hear. very good. I, I think the hard part for me is like if I'm a person who's not educated like I said I don't know Russia I it's the question is just not going to come out so eloquent and I think sometimes there's like this it's going to come out possibly impacting another person but maybe they didn't mean to but they don't have the right words or they wouldn't even know like like they're struggling themselves to just even be comfortable like what's your every man way of telling people how to get better about this okay so I think sometimes it's okay (laughs) to say I don't know what to say yeah. You know, to say right like I really Damn don't it, even know advice. what I really don't know what to say right now, but um tell me how I can help. Tell mm-hmm. me if there's anything you can that you need. That's a good place to start. And also not for nothing, Google is your friend. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Actually, I learned something. that from you, Robin. Google is my friend. I'm, I do. Too. If you don't know Google something, figure it out. You know, so uh, so go on shameless plug. So I'm hosting a conversation with my good friend Jody Patterson. Uh, and Jody is the author of a book called The Bold World, right? And Jody is the mother of a transgender boy. Her oh. son came out as trans when he was like three. Right? Oh, three. He was three. And I think I think Penelope is like ten now. And so in the book, she talks about how she didn't know. She's like, I had never even heard of trans before. I don't know any trans people. You know, she's yeah. like, you know, I come from a lineage of really strong women. I was so prepared for my daughter to be this beautiful girl. And my daughter is just, is is now my son. Right. And so what she did was like, she was like, you know, I, I it takes 10,000 hours to, to master anything. Right. And I'm going to master this. You know, because wow. she had the intention of being the best mother that she could be to guide her her three year old son and to protect him on this journey of of his transition, um, and she wanted that intention to have the right impact. So she learned, that's and that's great. the thing. You just that's you have to care enough to educate yourself because be the open. thing is, when you don't know, you can't expect other people and other groups to do that emotional labor to help you learn. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like when she was looking at her son. Her son at three years old obviously couldn't. Teach teach her you know how to respond to him you know but it wasn't necessarily you know the obligation of other trans people to teach her that right. either yeah you know you got to do that work for yourself so you when people really to... people really want to have a want their intention to meet their impact and they don't know where to start and they're like i don't know what's going on you know <laughs> learn something or think of that person as have the compassion for that person as you would your three-year-old child yeah that's yeah. a nice that's, way to think of that's it. That's a way for that's a takeaway for me. Yeah, yeah. Right. Have compassion and have that empathy. You know, mm-hmm. like I think I think that empathy is is really important when we talk about um, execution. I think empathy is really important when we talk about like empathy and like empathy is really important when we talk about like moving forward. Yeah. Um, you know, so like grounding yourself in compassion and empathy and working from that place. Right. Yeah. You know, and which which I which I have found. Let me tell you another story. So I did this. Um, I did this panel right at Ryerson University in 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 Toronto, and it was about masculinity. I was the only trans guy on on the panel, and this and this straight straight cis guy was like, you know, what I have always been taught is that empathy is antithetical to efficiency in as a leader. Dang. Like right. I don't have time to like take care of your feelings. Right. Like, right. I got, and I, I feel like tasks. that's a very like masculine very man male thing. man thing to kind of yeah. think about. Don't be like, emotional. A, just do that's such bullshit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's you know you have to be really grounded in empathy in order to be able to 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 lead people and to have an impact and and for growth. Teak, you said something that um I'm still it's still stuck in my brain. You Tell said me. um organic masculinity. Oh yeah. What is this? What is this yes. concept? Okay, so for me as a transgender man. I know I started my transition at 25. I started living fully as a man at 25. Before that, I came out as a lesbian at 14. Right. Oh, wow. So like my whole, I'm so, I'm very very queer. 
Like all I know, like since my sexuality developed, you know, when I started, you know, it's all been, it's always been in queer community. Uh-huh. And so I'm in queer community and then now I'm a man and I was looking for blueprints on what it meant to be a man in the world. It was different being like a masculine woman in women, in mostly women's spaces, right? you know, but then. Because there was a, a, like a butch femme blueprint. Yeah, it was a butch friend blueprint, right? And and I loved it. And I love my queer community. I love my lesbian community. But then as a man, so now I got, you know, I got a beard and I look different now. I can't get into the lesbian spaces anymore. And which I shouldn't. Did that make you sad though at all? Absolutely. Did you feel like a loss? Yeah, it was definitely there's a definitely a moment of grief there where cause I lost that community that I had, like that sisterhood that yeah. I had. Like this these people that basically raised me up. I was yeah. going to the gay clubs at sixteen years old. Right. So here I am a man in the world and I've kind of lost my community, which has mm. always been kind of like my my support in my kind of crutch, you know? Yeah, that's and was, hard. And I was like, I don't want to hang out with these straights because I think straights are awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no offense to straight people. So here I am, you know, and people look at me and they read me as straight, but it's like I really did not, I didn't see any examples of heterosexual, heterosexual masculinity that felt good to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It all felt limited or like it was, there's a lot of posturing. It really felt fake. Mm-hmm. A lot of it felt really, really fucking fake. It felt like heterosexual men were always defining their masculinity in relationship to something else. Like you define your masculinity by how much you can control, how much that you possess, you know, who you are better than. It's always this one upness. Who like you're I'm, dating. Yeah, yeah, like I'm a, you know, I'm a man because, you know, I drive this Corvette or I'm a man because I'm with this hot chick or I have all this money or I'm a better athlete than you or I'm bigger than you or I'm tougher than you. But when you get rid of all of that, when you... When you take away everybody else and stop putting yourself against other people, what is left of your masculinity? I'm like, I really don't know. You know what's interesting? What is calling out to me right now is you don't relate to that yet. even a little bit. You you felt like you were a man Mm -hmm. on the inside, but you don't relate to any of that. Right. And that's where the organic masculinity comes from. And I always say, for me, it was about curating masculinity that was tethered to my spirit and not 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 something that would had depend on a third party. Like my masculinity isn't something that could be undone as something by something as innocuous as like the the color pink, right? Or like Beyonce, or having too much joy, or being sad, or being fearful. None of these things. None of these things do anything for me as a man. I'm still a man. The idea of passing in that language has a legacy in the United States. Mm. And it's a it's a racial legacy. It comes Ooh. from like light-skinned black yes. people and light-eyed black folks who would pass for white because either, you know, they pass for white, particularly like, you know, during the reconstruction and things like that, because it, you know, gave them uh, better access to healthcare, mm-hmm. to um, schools, yeah. to neighborhoods, to safety, to autonomy, just to be able to live as your autonomous self and really just be able to pursue your dreams and your goals Money to, be to jobs to fucking stopped by like systemic racism or like overtly like violent racism. So that's where passing comes from. Is it was a deliberate and intentional thing. And you also have black people who just internalized white supremacy and hated being black. Yeah, and was right. like, fuck it, I ain't black. I'm white. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Yep. So and these are things that are really intentional, right? That somebody did. I am not intentionally trying to pass as a cisgender person. Right. I'm very trans. I'm very queer. I'm in community. So for me, it's more like I'm assumed people assuming I'm not doing anything to make people think that I'm a cisgender person. People are assuming that I'm a cisgender person. You're just so, being who you be. Uh, yeah, this is what my, trans- my, my transition looked like. But I, in no way, under any circumstances, yes. want to be straight or want to be a cisgender person. Like, right. that's not that's not who I am. Or need that as a badge. Or need, nah, that's not that's not my thing. So that's how I feel about passing. So I, I just switched the language around. But, yeah. but, I mean, it does, it helps. Like, you know, when me and my wife are out in public, and they see us, you know, particularly us as, as a black family. You right. know, they see us as a black heterosexual family. And they go, oh, like, you're so young. People think I'm so young. And she's so young. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, we love you. Look at you. Yeah. And you're all pretty. You're you're all, like, you're and it's like, if you knew and, yeah. how fucking queer we were, honey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you'd be throwing a Bible at us. <laughs> Jamie, you hmm? look tired. I am so tired. This winter season has really, really, really taken me down. I'm losing my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep getting colds. I'm, I'm a mess. You need to I, subscribe to Care of Jamie. What's what is that again? Jamie, <laughs> Jamie. It's that monthly subscription vitamin service, oh. and they deliver personalized mm-hmm. vitamin and supplement packets. 
to your door. Right. Nobody needs to this that. more than you. I know. You know, I went through a phase of taking vitamins, mm-hmm. but I basically I fell off the wagon because you know once the bottle runs out, like, you for you forget or you know and you just one. can't even get there. Right. Totally. You're we're moms. I'm, that's I'm telling you. That's why Carev's so brilliant. Yeah. It's uh, your personalized subscription box. It's like to your door every month, and you are never gonna run out. Yeah. And you know I love this. I, I know you love it. It's to mm-hmm. your door, so mm-hmm. I totally get it. And it actually sounds really... I think really to am- your door is my middle name. <laughs> I mean, it actually sounds really amazing because I can't be bothered to go to the store. I It's it's so hard to even just get mm-hmm. a shower in with two kids under five at home. Like, I'm I'm exhausted. I know. That's why we're, we're going to let Kara do the work. And then, like, Jamie. to do the research myself, too. Are yeah. you kidding? No, like, no, no, I don't no. know what vitamins to buy yeah and well and you know the the, the reality is is that not, almost like something it's the number something like 90 percent of the people they fall short of their fda guidelines vitamins nutrients oh i think I, you're missing like probably like nine or ten <laughs> i bet you i am and i believe that and that's why my nails are always so brittle there must be some nutrient lacking there I that i have I'll, no idea what it is it's an e it's a g okay i'm gonna need B. you to i'm gonna need you to take i don't need to figure it out i don't need to figure it out because <laughs> care of is gonna figure it out when you take their online quiz yeah there's health questions about your diet and your lifestyle choices yeah not about your gay lifestyle choices but like just like your <laughs> regular lifestyle choices and then they're gonna send you monthly packets of vitamins that are customized for you. I love common, that. As I said, directly to your door. I mean, it sounds really easy and that's what I need. But yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do they offer like vegetarian, oh, vegan Jamie, options? Because you know I care it. about this Stop kind of it. thing. Stop it. Of course they do. Of course okay, they do. Can you please do. just get it already? Because you sound horrible and I need you for this podcast. I will. I'm going to do it. And for our listeners out there, Care Off is offering um, 50% off your first That's month. That's so much. That is so much. So you should all do this too. Let's all have good nails together. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> How do they do that? Well, for 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, go to takecareof.com and enter OCT50. So, I mean, this needs to be repeated. 50% mm-hmm. off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Go to takecareof.com and you enter OCT50. Five zero. And you know that because it means 50% off. 50%. Uh... I was such a tomboy in sixth grade because like, I always wanted to like, I wanted to like swim in the pool. We had a pool. I wanted to swim without my top on. I was like heartbroken when I had to wear a bra and I wanted to wear just the trunks because I just, I was, I only hung out with the boys. So like right now with my daughter, it's sometimes like she's talking to me about these stories about her dolls and I'm just like, and I have to say to her, I'm like, hey honey, I'm like, listen, I didn't have this experience. I'm like, but that's, it's okay. Like I, I'll talk to you about it. But like her experience with her little fourth grade girlfriends is just like, I, it's like. Her little girlfriend. Yeah, it's like foreign. It's like, I'm like, I was playing kickball while you were doing this. Yeah. Like you all were way. like making up your songs and your chants, but I was like doing shit over here with the boys. Yeah. Until yeah. the boys wouldn't have me anymore. Yeah, until that age here. where they wanted the girls, right? And I remember saying to my mom, like, I, I think I said something like I want to be a boy. Like I had a teacher who pulled me aside and said she offered me, and she's a delightful woman who comments on everything I do on Facebook to this day. Oh, wow. I mean, she's everything. She likes every photo of my children. But she offered me a dollar for every day I would wear a dress. And oh. I turned her down. Like, can you imagine? Like, that's a shit ton of money. But because it wasn't me. Yeah. And But she was, I understand what she was trying to do for me. She was like, she pulled me aside and she said, it's happening. Like they're separating. Like these boys that you're friends, it's not, it's not gonna keep working. Yeah. Like you're going into middle school next year. Like this isn't gonna. Yeah. And she was, I think, I think it was her way of trying to help me. Yeah. But it didn't help me because it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. I just love hanging out with the boys. But yeah. thing, it I just felt that, that felt right to me yeah. at that time. And it me, me you have a similar experience because I was definitely like a tomboy growing up. I remember like, I remember my first experience around gender when I was like seven. And my mother had bought me this strawberry shortcake bicycle. And she was so proud of this bike. I had just learned how to like ride without my training wheels. And she bought me this bike and Thought had the pink would tassels and the and the pink banana seat. And I wasn't fucking riding that bike anywhere. <laughs> okay. I didn't know I was trans. I was like, I'm not riding this. I'm not riding this. And you know, and I didn't know I was trans at the time. And, we, and I'm just saying this to, to say like there's a there's really a spectrum of what gender it looks like. Yeah. Because you are identified as a woman, but you're not necessarily into all of the femi shit that people yeah. say that women are supposed to be into. Now at that time, I didn't know that I was trans, but I knew I wasn't into those feminine yeah. things either. But for me, I really associated being a boy 
with freedom, not necessarily my gender. Yeah. Because yes. the boys, the boys could go to the grinded barks to the park. Yes. I had to stay on the block. You know what I'm saying? They could be out after uh, streetlights. I could there was so much freedom for them to be in their But it was also just freedom. Like I didn't want to shower like until Sunday. And yeah. I was like, fuck this shit. I'm playing I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm playing kickball. I want to like, play I wanna, football. I want to yeah. be on the little league football team yeah. so badly. And I couldn't I'll share so pictures of me in the football and the um, football. Please. With my little bowl cut. Please. You'll see oh. some pictures. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. love that. I'll send but, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, boys are given more freedom. Yeah. You know, it's like girls have to learn how to be, like, ladies. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, my God. It, I was not interested in that at all. Me neither. I hated stockings and Ugh. dread. I had to go to church and itchy-ass stockings. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, this has been an incredible chat. I mean, yeah. just awesome. like, you just really... I don't know. I feel, I like, feel like I need you here. Like I need you in my ear. Yeah. <laughs> like like, like an IFB. <laughs> Jamie, you, you're strong recording. enough. <laughs> you're, I'm seeing little mantras. You got this. Every week. Yeah. <laughs> little audio files. I would take them. I would take them. do. Guru Teak right that's, here. Listen, Guru that's, Teak. That's my thing. So, so I'm writing a book. Okay. Oh yeah. Tell yeah. us. The book. So the book is called Man of My Design, A Self-Determined Life. It's a memoir. It should be out fall of next year. We're still, <gasps> okay. my agent are still working on it. We're still we're still doing it. We're still massaging it and putting some wheels on it, but it's it's happening. Tell folks about it. your podcast too, because like you're a fellow podcaster. I yes. am a fellow podcaster. I'm so a podcaster. Hey, hey. <laughs> so I have a podcast called Mask Undone and Mask M A S K. This is idea of taking off the mask of masculinity because I, you know, masculinity is so performative. Mm. It's just so performative. It's not a lot of it is just so inauthentic. So it's me and I another trans I love trans hearing that. It it really is. I, this, okay. You um like I'm gonna say it again. We need to get you to Oprah. I, we can't do that, but Listen, I'm, we'll do what no, we we're can. Work, yeah, yeah, you can. We're gonna you start a campaign. You are right in line with Oprah. You need to. Be, you're so in line with her. Super Soul Conversations and Masterclass. Yeah. Like you could be on both of those. Let's put that out there. Yeah, putting uh, we're putting it out. We're, and I'm and, all and about the thank law you of for letting us stalk you and for I coming back. It. Thank you for stalking me and make sure that I got here. I'm so happy I came. This has been really this wonderful. Has been fun. It's been great. Thanks, Teak. I love him. I really love Teak. Teak is my new guru. Yeah. And, you know, I I feel like he has to have, like, his own show, like Oprah. He does have his own show. He has a podcast. No, I know, but, like, Oprah. Oh, you mean, like, an Oprah type show? Like, the Oprah show. show. I feel like he's going to change the world someday. I mean, I think he might already be changing the world. Well, yes. Yes, but on a bigger scale. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's... (laughs) You can't see my arms, but they're spread out. super wide. (laughs) I feel like there's something in between, like, having a podcast and and being Oprah. Like, maybe somewhere (laughs) in the middle of that. (laughs) <laughs> I think he's on the up and up, though. I think like we're like on the level of Oprah, and not close at all, Robin. <laughs> not even. <laughs> well, you can check out his um his podcast is called Mask Undone. M A S C. Yes, correct. Not K. Correct. Um, and he's amazing. for a minute. By the way, when you said K, I was like, is that how that's spelled? I was like, right, yes, yes, K. Oh, not no. the strongest speller. We're writing oh. a book. So, um, guys. <laughs> Check us out on all our social media. Mm-hmm. Get us on Instagram at ovaries underscore talk. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You can see I was not going to get that. No, I am <laughs> shocked. Ovaries talk on Twitter. And if these ovaries could talk on Facebook or, you know, old school email. <laughs> email. <laughs> email. Oh. Jamie's so tired, you guys. <laughs> He's going to go home and take a nap after this. Ovaries talk at gmail.com. And remember, please email us your stories because we want to highlight, yeah. you know, not just like the likes of these, um, you know, these people with the big followers like the Teeks and the Judy Gold coming up next week. Judy Gold. Oh, yeah. Get excited. Um, not just those people, but, you know, everybody's stories because all of our stories are important. So email us. Mm-hmm. Please do. We okay. want to hear from you. And, um, and thank you to our sponsors. Yes. Care of. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, use your use our promo codes. Yes, please do. Helps them. Helps us. Okay, I think it's time, Jamie, for I, you to go to bed. I'm not going to get to go to bed. What do you think I am? I'm not a mom. What is that even not a mom? <laughs> My brain isn't working. Eggs. And I'm writing a book. Eggs. Ovaries. Out. Out. <laughs> <laughs> go to bed. If these ovaries could talk, they would say. Eggs, ovaries, out. <laughs>